We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? We beat the G League Grizzlies, Nick. <laughs> that was a good win by us. Um, win's a win, as they say. Honestly, that might have been the most painful win of the season. 118-115 at home. We'll take it. First time the Nets have had back-to-back wins since January 19th and 21st where they beat the Pistons in the Heat. And if you recall that third game where they almost had the third game winning streak, Paul George got that no call at the end of the game against OKC. Sorry to make you relive that. But like you said, Jack, a win is a win. So we got to be happy about it, especially like we said. We'd like to get to that maybe 28 mark before the season's end. Before we recap, though, just a reminder, as always, you can listen to the buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, and now airing on Dash Radio. But like I said, Jack, painful win. <laughs> like you said, G League team, you know, there was a lot of guys on this roster that you're probably not familiar with. And they probably haven't played a ton of a ton of NBA games, but the Nets still made it interesting for us. 22 turnovers, sloppy game. Both teams shot really well from the field. What were your thoughts on this one? Look, it was one that you just sort of, as the old grit and grind Grizzlies would say, you yeah. just have to grind it out, basically. Um, we got the win in unfortunate circumstances. Uh, Damari Cowell got a bit chirpy late. Um, he sort of stepped up. Dylan Brooks got a bit out of him. Uh, I, th- I think we could probably credit this win to Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, Karis LeVert, two of our favorites. Um, you know, the hyphen was really energetic all night. He sort of set the tone, getting to the line on a consistent basis. And your boy, Karis LeVert, just very efficient in the time that he got, you know. Being able, only playing 24 minutes, but um, still nailing 22 points, four of, four of four from three, seven of nine from the field overall. Uh, and then a couple of assists and rebounds in there as well and chucking a block. So your boy, Karis LeVert, and... Uh, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson sent the stand. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, 37 minutes as well. So he certainly was our uh, our key cog. But, you know, it was just one of those games where, you know, it's not one you'd be uh, watching back for the ages, but we got a three point win and it's our 23rd of the season. So we'll count it. 
Exactly. And Rondé, you mentioned the big minutes. It's like Rondé and Levert were only two of the Nets that were actually playing the game. Rondé was full energizer mode. You know, We mentioned on the last pod, since he became a starter, he's been great. Yesterday, I felt like he almost took it to another level, though. 12 rebounds, 5 offensive, the 13 free throw attempts, which is great. And he also drew a couple fouls off ball, you know, a couple fouls without the shooting attempts. And I thought just Rondé was everything you could ask for him last night. Obviously, the three-point shooting isn't there, but everything else in his game looked great last night. Yeah, and I think that's one thing with Ronda. We mentioned in the last pod, the fact that he's doing all these little things. You know, when he gets to the line on a consistent basis, yes, he wasn't perfect from the line, 8 of 13. But, you know, those rebounding, um, we, he mentioned uh, to Nets, uh, on the Nets Daily SoundCloud, he was saying after the win against the Mavs that he's normally the guy that's sort of boxing out. But, you know, the energy was sort of lackluster from, from the guards, so he sort of took it upon himself to set the standard. And, you know, Rondé is never going to have a, l- a lack of energy, that's for sure. And, you know, despite, we mentioned uh, plenty of times, despite his, uh, his his youth, he's certainly become a leader on this team and with Damari Carroll. Um, obviously, there's a huge age gap there, but Rondé was uh, a massive leader in the, in the way that he was playing last night. Exactly. Yeah, that's a that's a great point right there, Jack. As a leader, sometimes you need to lead by example, something we saw a lot with Jason Kidd. And Rondé definitely does that because he leaves it all on the court. Sometimes, you know, he plays hurt. He looks like he's in a lot of pain after some of these rolled ankles. And also another point, like we've mentioned on previous pods, I like the passing. Three assists again from Rondé. Nothing crazy, but a couple assists from that position is very nice. And you mentioned Lavert. You know, I love everything I'm seeing from Levert. He's really taken a step as a scorer this season. I think if that three-point shot can really get knocked down, he'll be lethal. And that's something he'll definitely work on in the offseason. You saw him work on a little bit before the game last night. So four for four from three. And another thing he's done really well over the last few games is attack bigs. You know, he gets that switch. He's making them pay, gets in the lane, gets the free throw, gets somebody an open shot. I also felt like Levert's doing a lot better job when he's attacking the rim is using angles, you know, placing the ball at certain points where the other, uh, where the opponent can't block it, you know, hanging the air a little bit longer. It's just been an overall nice development and maturity. And like we said, the experience is an important thing for Levert, and you can see that paying off this season. Yeah, these tw- the 24 minutes, to be able to do, to post up such a stat line and such an efficient stat line in such a, a small amount of time, you know, I'm sure going towards the start of next season, he'll start to see some higher minutes. You know, he'll be balancing that out with Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell as we chatted on our last pod. But Nick, the one surprising stat for me looking at the box score is that D'Angelo Russell, I've heard um, not the best things about his game, but yet he was a plus 12 in the box plus minus. Can you give me a little bit of a rundown of his game last night? I feel like D'Angelo, it wasn't, you know, by far his greatest game or anything. He definitely had the issues. I think one of 10 from three is a little bit misleading because I mentioned to you off pod, you know, he got the ball a lot of times in bad situations, you know, four seconds left in the shot clock, far out the three point line, you know, spots where he's probably not going to make the shot. And he, you know, he did struggle a little bit at times with some of the trapping and aggressive defense by the Memphis Grizzlies, but he also had some beautiful passes, you know, some great plays on the, you know, fast break, getting Levert that outlet pass to get that two handed dunk. I mean, Every game you see D'Lo, he's not consistent, and obviously that's an issue, but he is a young player, and we expect it to kind of come along with age. But he has these flashes, and I think in this game, in the second quarter, Levert got in foul trouble late in that second quarter. He had one of those flashes where you're like, all right, this kid can really be all-star material. He can be that scorer. One thing I'd like to see him do defensively more, I think he's you know put a little bit more effort in, but him and Levert need to do a better job getting over screens or avoiding screens, communicating, you know, maybe telling the big to switch. I know necessarily the Nets don't always want to do that, but in certain situations where you're not getting out there, you need to make sure you're not giving a wide open shot, especially one at the free throw line. I felt like a few times last night that was an issue, but overall he did a good job kind of getting guys involved. And I mentioned some beautiful passes last night. 
Yeah, it would have been nice to see some increased defense from him because, you know, it's not like he was coming up against a world beater on Andrew Harrison, um, despite the fact that Andrew Harrison himself was a plus 21 from the field. So, you know, we want to see, you know, against maybe these lesser opponents, sort of an increased effort so he can sort of, you know, box himself up a little, get him, get him that confidence against the lesser opponents. So it sort of gives him confidence going into, you know, the tougher assignments because we know that it's a point guard heavy NBA and D'Angelo Russell's going to have his tough assignments, especially if he's going to be a leader uh, of that backcourt going forward. Exactly. And I think one thing for D'Lo, we know he's not the greatest athlete and that's probably not going to change overnight. But one thing I think he could do a better job of is using his length and size. And I mentioned you before, you know, being a young age, he's a little bit scared to use his size at times. He's not the biggest dude, but he's definitely bigger than some of these other point guards. And it'd be nice to see him bump around a little bit and play a little bit more physical. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's he's got that size. You know, that's one thing he sort of has on Karis LeVert a little bit, Jared Allen, some of these younger guys. He's been in the NBA system for a little bit longer. Yes, his body's still developing. He's still, you know, early 20s. But, you know, he should be starting to sort of become more comfortable in his skin, so to speak. You know, he's got the physique to do it. Um, he just needs to get that basketball now on the defensive end because we know he's got it in spades when it comes to the offense. Now, Nick, what was more what was more of an issue for you last night was it the turnovers was it the defense was it a combination of both um you know it was a bit of a sloppy game in, in many sorts the fact that they were able to shoot 52 over 52 percent from the field and over 43 percent from three certainly wasn't our best defensive performance yeah you know i hate to answer questions like this but it was a little of both you know 22 turnovers allowing them to get out on the fast break a few times get some easy buckets build their confidence up especially the live ball turnovers and some of them were just pure sloppy and also defense Defensively, I mentioned this on previous pods, the Nets are making it way too easy for teams to get you know inside the paint. And this isn't only necessarily layups and scoring inside, but just getting those paint touches, causing the defense to collapse, getting those open shots on the outside. That's something the Nets really need to clean up. The pick and roll defense, I think, needs a lot of work this summer. And obviously, we expect that. And this team is in full of elite defenders. But at times, I feel like they sink way too far back on you know pick and roll drops, especially for somebody like Jared Allen who's one of his best aspects probably is his agility and his speed. So I'd kind of like to see him come out a little bit more, not compromise his position, but I still think he could probably take another step or two out. He's a guy though, that looks like he's really gotten hit by that rookie wall. Yeah, I think it was mentioned on Brian Lewis's Twitter page when he spoke to Kenny Atkinson that, you know, he's hit the rookie wall. And then Kenny Atkinson, you know, made note of those terms. You know, it's a long season, you know, we're in game, you know, 71 uh, now. So 10 games going into the, the final stretch of the season. But at the same time, you know, he, he, he might have uh, not been taking the right shots. He might have been missing some dunks. His defense might be a bit, little bit lackluster. But if you're a, a hardened body, uh, if you're an NBA player, you've got to learn to work through that. So I'd rather him learn from this. You know, Coach Kenny pulled him out a few times. So just learning to make the mistakes and learning to make an impact, even when you're not at your best 100% physically, is going to be a key sort of learning moment for Jared Allen going forward. Yeah. Nick of Nets Daily pointed out some good videos. Jared Allen set some nice picks. And that's something he could definitely improve on in the season. Early in the year, we saw him get called for a lot of offensive fouls. If he can set some really nice picks with some of the shooters we have in this offense and some of the playmakers, that'd be a great asset. And like you said, Jack, it's kind of just building through this, like we said you know, a million times in the pod. He's a young kid, first NBA season, going against guys that are way bigger and stronger than him. A nice offseason of muscle will definitely change his game. And he should be able to kind of adjust a little bit conditioning-wise to a full NBA season. Definitely. And also, uh, you mentioned Amari Carroll early before. He kind of got into a Dylan Brooks where Dylan Brooks kind of pulled him. I, wanna, I don't want to say a full Kelly Olenek, but he definitely grabbed his you know, arm, kind of put it in a weird position, t- tossed him to the ground. You know, Carroll got up and was like, try that shit again. And then, you know, both got taxed. And after that point, Carroll picked it up a little bit. The All the Nets picked it up a little bit, and that kind of gave them a nice boost in that fourth quarter. But Damari Carroll, 
has been a guy that is flown under the radar probably for most NBA fans, but he's been crucial to this team. The fact that we got a first and second round pick with him, we've touched on it a million times, but it's just great. And he's been a huge vet, especially with a Jeremy Lane injury. I think a lot of people forget about that. If we didn't have, you know, Carroll, especially after trading Booker, there'd be no veterans really on this team that play. And Carroll's been a big factor in getting some of these wins in March. He's been a massive factor. You know, we, we only touched on his performance in, in the last pop. We gave a lot of credit to Rondé, Karras, and, and some of the other guys. But he was a huge factor in that as well, his leadership. Um, and I'm also going to give him a quick shout-out to his uh, outfit pregame, the sort of the, the fluoro onesie jumpsuit with the, the sort of swag coat. Um, I respect the, the swag game of Damari Carroll, and I know uh, a lot of our New York, but uh, a lot of our Brooklyn boys are certainly jumping on board with that. Apparently, a lot of the guys are saying they're having uh, trouble understanding Damari. So I think you know, he's, he's loud on and off the court, um, but he's he's been a great leader, like we mentioned, on on court, off court. I think, you know, the value that he adds to this locker room can't be measured in, you know, wins and losses, but in terms of development and, and just being a great teammate. I think that's underrated in, in any sort of organization. You know, you can find guys that just fit. And I think Damari Carroll right now just fits really well with the Brooklyn Nets, where we're going and creating this culture. Yeah, I agree. And I think one nice aspect of Carroll, and this isn't always, you know, 100%, you know, vets do help all the young guys, but I like the relationship he has with D'Angelo Russell. And we know yeah. D'Lo had the issues in LA with Nick Young and all that nonsense. But coming here, having a vet like uh, Damari Carroll, who's done it for a while, he's been on good teams, and he's really had an earnest spot in the NBA. I think it's a great influence for D'Lo. And Rondé's even mentioned, I think it was a game or two ago, the leadership and the impact that, you know, Carroll's bringing to this team. I believe I, I couldn't say it any better myself, Nick. I think, you know, Damari Carroll right now um, is probably one of our most consistent performers. We've talked about Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. We've talked about Carroll Slavert. But Damari Carroll, you know, he's been out there quite a bit. You know, he's despite his injury history with Toronto Raptors, you know, he's been out there for a huge chunk of this season. Um, we've lost vets. We've mentioned vets before, like Trevor Booker, that we've lost, and he's contributed to a lot of wins. Without Damari Carroll, that leadership void would just be absolutely massive. You know, the only other guy that would be basically above 30, you know, discounting Dante Cunningham who came in late, is Timothy Mosgrov. <laughs> and, you know, he's getting DNPs left, right and center. So to have a guy out there that is just a, a calming presence, who's been there, done that, has just knows the rigors of today's NBA, can provide that sort of guidance. You know, they might not be able to understand it, but they can certainly see what he does and they certainly can see the energy that he brings. Yeah, and no complaints from me on Carroll. Also, Alan Crabb came back from his illness last night, and he came back big. You know, it was a sneaky, nice game from Crabb. He kind of flew under the radar a little bit, 22 points, 7 to 10 from the field, 4 to 7 from 3, some nice defensive plays. He just looked really in rhythm and really comfortable. Over this last month where he's picked it up, you can see his comfort level in the team where he's kind of just playing basketball instead of reacting as much. He just seems to fit so much better now. I think he's got confidence now, Nick. I think that's the number one thing with Alan Crabb. Um, he's just a real confidence player. You know, com confidence and comfort, the two Cs. Triple C if you want to add in his last <laughs> name as well. He's just he's just feeling himself right now. He knows his role. You know, he doesn't have to light the world on fire. You know, he's sort of supporting the young guys in a sense, you know, making the shots. You know, he just he's not forcing anything. He's playing in a rhythm. All these sort of buzzwords that we like to speak about on the Brooklyn Buzz, they just fit Alan Crabb perfectly. And, you know, the form coming late in the season, it's going to be a nice boost for him going into the postseason because I think he's going to be set for a big start to next season because, you know, we know he mentioned, we've, we've mentioned before that he missed the preseason. But, you know, taking this form into the postseason and going into, you know, into the summer, I think it's going to be all the better for not only Crabb but for the rest of the Brooklyn team. Yeah, you know, just a better understanding of the system, the coaching staff, your teammates. It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, sometimes it does. Chris Paul, James Harden, but 
other situations, it's going to take time. And when Crab's hitting a shot like he does, it just makes it so much easier for some of the Nets drivers and playmakers to get in the paint because they really have to stick with him at that three-point line. Yeah, and I think the this talk earlier in the season, um, I, I know I love my boy Joe Harris. Was that you know why do we what's the what's the point of even having a guy like an Alan Crabbe when we have Joe Harris doing the same sort of thing? Well, Joe Harris has been has been great this season. Um, he's but he's certainly not a lights out shooter like an Alan Crabbe. Um, and Alan Crabbe's defense has also improved quite a bit this season. So I'd much rather have two versions of a guy who can shoot threes and play a little bit of defense than just one of them because it just it just fits so much better, like we mentioned, into our system. And, you know, Joe Harris is probably going to be, you know, earning a, a much smaller contract. So as they um, as they say, Pekinolos does, let's have both of them. <laughs> they both work perfectly well. And I'm glad that we have Crabbe and Harris. Yeah, I think it really helps the offense, too, at times, having the ability to have at least one of those guys out there at most of the game, or even some points, Kenny's played two of them. But what are your thoughts on Spencer Dinwiddie? Obviously, in the bench role, the numbers can be a little deceiving because I don't think he's played, like, terribly bad, and he's had positive impacts, you know, six assists, a couple points. But why do you think the struggling from three is happening now? Do you think it's all confidence? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it has to be, Nick, because we've seen him make those shots. You know, the numbers certainly don't flatter him. Uh, at certain points, and, and and over this past month, they certainly don't uh, either. But we've seen Spencer make these shots. Whether you know it's readjusting to a new role, um, whether it's you know readjusting to you know his teammates, you know sort of feeling how you know D'Angelo Russell goes. But at the same time, you know it's not that much of a drastic change because they have been playing together at the start of the season before D'Angelo did go down. So I think it's just a, an up and down season. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie um, has still had a, a fantastic season and has exceeded expectations far and then some. And it's probably with Nikola Jokic on one of the best contracts in the NBA. So I think, you know, to to criticize him would be a, a little bit rash, but, you know, he, we're judging him by his own standards now. And he's set himself a, a high bar that, we, that we're judging him on now. So I think it's, it's worthy, but I think, you know, he's going to have his up and down moments because he's by no means uh, the, the, a fully formed player in, in the way that he is. He's still got, you know, He's still 24. He's still young in terms of NBA experience. And this is probably like one of the, the best full seasons we've ever seen from a guy of his, you know, ilk sort of coming out of nowhere, sort of like G League prospect, bounce around the bounce around the scene from the Bulls to the Pistons and onto the Nets. But, you know, it's his own standards. He set a high bar for himself. Um, unfortunately, he's not living up to it. But, you know, he's certainly going to get back there because he's full of confidence. Yeah, you know, we've seen him get really high this season, have some really good games. We've seen him have some bad games. It's probably somewhere closer to in-between, depending on the work he does in the offseason. You know, if he continues to work on that three-point shot, that's what really helps him out and makes him lethal, especially off that pull-up. He's really crafty in the paint, so I'd like to see him, you know, if the three-point shot's not falling, just continue kind of probing around there. We've even seen him throw out a few post moves the last few games when he's get he's gotten the smaller defenders on him. He has some nice pivot work, maybe work on that a little bit too. Being, you know, that six five, six six, take advantage of your length. He's got great footwork. He's got really nice footwork that for for a guard. And I mean, you know, it can be deceptive for how how good how good your footwork can make you. You know, I mean, look at a guy like Demar Derozan. He's got the probably one of the best the best feet work we've seen since a guy like Kobe Bryant. You know that he's able to pivot his body in, in, in ways that just gives him that little bit of extra space. I think if Spencer can continue to work on that, like he did with his shot, you know, that's going to get, give him even more open looks and give him even easier looks, you know, under the rim and stuff. But, you know, he's shown some great glimpses this season. I'm sure with um, a little bit over 10 games to go, we'll see a few more. 
Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what's going to happen in the next 10 games. You know, what type of combos are we going to see out there? I'd really like to see a game where they kind of let Lavert just play loose. Is there anything that you'd like to see before the season ends? It's going to be interesting, Nick. You know, Jared Allen's hit that little bit of a rookie wall. I wouldn't mind seeing some super small lineups. You know, try Ronde at the five a, a little bit more. You know, I want to see him sort of let that three fly, three ball fly a little bit. You know, he had um, he was one of the few players, him and Jared Allen, didn't let any of them fly. I want to see... Uh, see if he can sort of space the floor a little bit, just sort of see different sort of, you know, there's sort of messages that we we see that come from, you know, Coach Kenny in certain on certain games. You know, the game against the Mavs, it was just about defense. Uh, I'm sure against the Grizzlies, it was just about getting the W. I want to see, you know, see if we can like, you know, put up 53s or something. I want to see us like, you know, <laughs> do a Houston Rockets sort of style. Like just go absolutely wild. Um, so just see a full-on grit and grind win. See if we can like grind a team down, beat them down like, you know, 95 to 92 something like that you know just have different little focuses and going throughout the game and just have one focus at a time work on the offense work on the defense and just see what ha- what can happen now i don't want it to be 118 to 115 against a team like the grizzlies but you know it's going to be a shootout against a team like you know the golden state warriors go for it i, I want to see the experimentation um is is a key sort of cog that we've mentioned since the start and mid-season you know in, whether it be lineups whether it be game plan whether it be coaching style i think you know, there's certainly uh, plenty of room to maneuver for a guy like Coach Kenny and for a lot of these players too. Yeah, I agree. I think other than Lavert, I want to see him play 30-plus minutes. I've been advocating for that for a while. I want to see him get a couple games with, like, 20 shots. I really want to see if he can, like, light it up again like we saw against the Clippers. Last night I mentioned the foul trouble was a little bit of an issue. But like you said, experiment-wise, you know, they did throw Ronda at the five a little bit. I think that's fun. I think some of the super small, you know, small ball lineups is great. I think if I'm Kenny, I want to set a goal for defense for the rest of the season. Yes, Network sh- uh, showed a stat last night. I believe the Nets are 12-1 and when they hold their opponent under 100 points. So if the Nets can play any type of relatively good defense, obviously keeping a team under 100 in the NBA now is very tough. But kind of in that under 110 range, at least, I think would be a nice goal for the team, maybe under 105, around that 100 mark. Just really put a lot of emphasis on D. You know, especially yeah. some of the guys that aren't playing necessarily great D. One nice thing about Jared Allen, Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, Karis LeVert, three of our young pieces moving forward, we're all pretty confident in the fact that they can play defense when it, you know, comes down to it. The rest of the team's got to show us some more defensively. Definitely. And I think, you know, defense is the key cog to all team success. You know, Houston Rockets have shot out of nowhere um, in terms of their outstanding season this year because they've been able to get some defensive capabilities. They've got the best point guard best defensive point guard in the NBA. They've got some defensive wings that are sort of helping out down there. Now, we certainly have some capabilities in, in those names that you mentioned. So if we have like lineups where we, you know, we put Karras and D'Angelo together, you know, maybe get Karras where he's just got a night where he's not, not focusing on shooting. Like you mentioned have, where he has just a night where his lights out. Maybe he just has a night where he's trying to get like, you know, fill up the line where it's five, five and five, get five steals, you know, try and get some blocks in there. And sort of just disrupt the lanes. And, you know, if he fouls out, so be it. Um, just have one of those nights, unless it's obviously a game where we have a, a legitimate shot at winning. But, you know, if they're te- against teams where, you know, the teams that are going to be playoff teams, we're not going to stand much of a chance just due to our lack of talent. But, you know, a- experiment with different sort of philosophies going forward in these final 11 games. Yeah, and I think one area defensively, you mentioned the Rockets being a team. I think everybody bought in team-wise. Also, defensive communications. I think that's an area the Nets lack, and it kind of comes with having a whole bunch of young guys and not everybody being sure of their assignments and the whole defensive scheme in general. I think if they can kind of get that defensive communication up, 
maybe switch some more, you know, just kind of let guys know like, oh, I'm going to get caught in this pick, you know, step up, Jared Allen, like, you know, especially some of the guards, like we mentioned, having trouble with that. I think the team just needs to communicate and take advantage when they play that small ball. Like, they're a lot faster than the other team. They need to, you know, attack them when they post up in some of the mismatches, try to get those steals, and just play smart, rotate well, and verticality is the most important thing. And kind of, you know, be willingness. You know, one thing Quincy AC does, as much as he annoys us, you got to give him props for always taking charges. Definitely. And I think, yeah, the, the switching is a, is a nice sort of one that you mentioned there, Nick. You know, today's NBA, today's defense is just like, you know, switch one through five. We have that ability, especially when one day's playing at the five out there. You know, Jared Allen, you mentioned before his agility. You know, he's got nice feet. You know, he's a great pick and roll uh, defender, dis- despite the fact that he can hang back a little bit. You know, we've seen him have some nice plays against some of the better point guards in today's league. You know, try it out. See how it works. Just being a, we tried the zone early in the year against the Houston Rockets when we were sort of depleted in terms of our injuries. You know, those injuries certainly aren't as prevalent today. You know, Dante Cunningham's missing some time. But other than that, we've got a, a relatively full squad. Try just a non-stop switch-heavy lineup. You know, that could work. You know, you might see something out of it. It might, you know, allow... It, it might force guys like D'Angelo Russell to be a bit more engaged on that end because then if he's not, then it sort of it reflects not only bad on him, but then the team. And then, you know, he gets pulled by by Coach Kenny. So it might, it might light a spark, so to speak. Yeah, and it kind of cuts you in different assignments, kind of keeps you more focused and locked in different things and kind of keeps you more alert, which is sometimes, you know, playing defense when a team's running a pick and roll and the other guys are just sitting sitting on the three-point line, it can be distracting in somewhat of a sense. But, Jack, that wraps it up for today. As always, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we appreciate all the love we're getting on Twitter. You can follow and listen to the show on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, and now airing on Dash Radio. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.